Hello and welcome to another edition of the Under Centre Podcast. I'm your host, Daramar, and I have a full house, actually, with me tonight. Uh, I'm delighted to say I am joined by Rain Malloy, Fionn Malloy, and Adam Wilson. Lads, especially uh, Fionn and Adam, welcome back. How have you been? Going through withdrawals there, going through podcast withdrawals. It's where I get all my ego from. So not being on the show, not having people tell me that my hot takes are absolutely fantastic. It's been a real struggle to get through, I have to say. Yeah, it's good to be back. Um, been keeping all right, so we'll see how things go. I do find it very convenient the, the days that you guys come back. You know, the commanders are on a, a hot run of games and... The Patriots just beat uh, the Cardinals last night as well in Monday Night Football. You know, is this is this how it's going to go from now on? No, I'm back in the saddle. I'm back in now. I'm ready for the heartbreak of the Commanders. They're just setting us up for a bigger fall, I feel like. The only good solace that I have is that we might be just a little bit too far out of reach for Reigns Panthers when he declared that they would have a better record than us by the end of the season. They're looking pretty awful they can't decide who their quarterback is. They beat an absolutely rubbish team on a bye week this week. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think the commanders are probably safe from Reigns' grasp at this point. Fionn, just so you know, the, the Panthers could finish four seed in the NFC because of how bad the NFC South is. So we could be hosting a divisional game versus the uh, commanders. Yeah, but I believe our pitcher was based on record, not on progress so i think i'm i think i'm still situated pretty well tomato potato <laughs> rain i must say that is a very fancy looking t-shirt as well have to keep thanks very much that. yeah Convision, con- commissioned it myself yeah yeah couldn't give it away though <laughs> no <laughs> couldn't get rid of it he didn't want it he couldn't yeah. get rid of it so now here he is repping it well look paying people you to are... take it off my hands if you are watching, you do like the looks of that T-shirt, you know, just uh, send send Rain a little DM saying, you know, hit me up with a T-shirt, and he he knows a guy. He'll be able perfect, to, uh, perfect stocking fillers. We can definitely get them to you by next Christmas. We don't know about this Christmas. You it will be in a stocking. Yeah, but we don't know if it's a Christmas stocking. Yeah, we're doing a partnership with Shane, so, so they should be popping out pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> Those it's just for those sheen bags. It's not even for the yeah, clothes. That's it. That glamour. They're just reusable. <laughs> um, we are actually lads just a little over a week away from Christmas as well. Um, so I must ask because the most important part of Christmas, and I think, you know, Adam especially, I think you should agree with me here, being a fellow lineman. The most important part of Christmas is the Christmas dinner. So I need oh, to know and. Yeah, and I'm going to start with you, Adam, on this one. What is the spread for Christmas dinner? Oh, everything. Just a bit of everything. You've got to go with the turkey and ham, an absolute mountain of gravy, plenty of mashed potatoes, roast potatoes. Um, I'm not a big fan of veg, but I will take some. I'll, I'll see what's on offer. That little corner at the top of the plate, I understand, yeah. Yeah, just <laughs> just adds a little color to the plate. I know. Just keeps your man happy. I'm on Adam's side in this. Malloy household. We, we we go mad posh, but uh, just while we're on the subject of vegetables, keep Brussels sprouts away from me. I hate them. They smell like farts. They're just disgusting. 
Uh, but we have like creamy, cheesy, garlicky mashed potato, a uh, bit of turkey, bit of ham, lots of stuffing, bit of gravy, you know, your cranberry sauce. It's just a massive spread and it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, my personal challenge on Christmas Day is usually to get through an entire box of After Eights by myself, <laughs> starting at about nine o'clock in the morning. If I can get to 12 o'clock not feeling sick, I know it's going to be a good day and then power on through to the Christmas dinner. So, Well, that's it. You can't eat them after eight. It, it, all, it all just tastes like mint after that. The turkey, <laughs> the ham. <laughs> all I can taste is mint for a week afterwards, but it, it works for me. They're absolutely delicious. One of my favorites. Well, look, at least your breath is going to be nice and fresh then, for sure. Fresh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, well, look, for me, for Christmas, it's the same. You know, you got to have the turkey, you have to have the ham. Loads of stuffing, gravy, potatoes. You know, I, I have a bit of veg as well. I guess you kind of have to. But I like to um, make my own Yorkshire puds from scratch. So I do that every year. Um, they grow to about the size of my head, which is fantastic. So you can fit more stuff in there with the gravy and everything like that. So um, that is definitely a must every Christmas and Stevens's day um, as well. And always making sure we cook way too much because we need to have the sandwiches after. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Turkey sandwich the next day, a bit of Turkey curry as well. Sometimes goes in their house. Can't beat it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good shout as well. I do like the turkey curry um, for sure. Um, do you remember that episode? Actually, I know it's not to do with, with Christmas. It's more Thanksgiving. Remember that episode of Friends? You know, Ross goes mental because someone ate his, his sandwich that his sister made from the leftovers. Which, have you ever tried to sort of make like all the leftovers into one sandwich before? I'm too picky in either to be doing that, to be honest with you, Dara. I bet. <laughs> Uh, I'm being let into a few things here now about yeah, absolutely. Uh, eating habits. <laughs> sure, look, this unfortunately is not a Christmas food podcast as much as I would love to keep talking about food and Christmas for the next hour or so. It is an NFL podcast and we are going to be speaking about week 14 of the NFL season. But before we start, I should mention that this show is brought to you in partnership with Locker. Locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sports content and puts the power in the hands of fans to personalize their world of sport, including a wide a range, I should say, premium NFL sources that can be tailored to your fan experience. Download the app for free in the Irish or UK iOS and Play Store today. Let's let's have a look at week 14 of the season. We got a clearer idea of which teams are heading to the playoffs, which teams are not heading to the playoffs. And we got a sort of insight as well of certain teams that if they make it to the playoffs, they won't be going too far. But we're going to start with probably one of the more dominating performances of last week, and that was the Philadelphia Eagles, who are now 11 and one, they beat the NFC East rivals, New York Giants, 48 to 22. Jalen Hurts again dominated the game, trying for two touchdowns and rushing for one. Hurts became the first QB in NFL history to rush for at least 10 touchdowns in consecutive seasons. So, guys, I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to start with Reen first on this one. Is Jalen Hurts now the clear front runner for MVP? Um, the possibly is to be honest the the guy has done a lot this year i still don't think he's up to the level of your your patrick mahomes or your um your josh allen 
but he has done enough to kind of be in that conversation. And because he's the new name on the block, he might get a lot more attention this year than maybe he would have if he had been a perennial in that kind of uh, conversation. But my money is still on Josh Allen for that MVP position. Yeah, look, I think the MVP always has to go a little bit into the playoffs, right? I think he's definitely put himself in there. But there's th- those other top guys that Ryan mentioned are having great seasons as well. I think Josh Allen is having a dominant season. And so it's going to come down to really when the going gets tough, when you're only playing top tier teams, not that not to discredit any of the wins the Eagles have had so far. They've been much more dominant than I expected. Uh, Hertz has played out of his skin. I said at the start of the season, I didn't trust him. He needed to prove himself. And in my opinion, he's proved himself. He's definitely the best quarterback in the NFC East at the moment. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's got to come down to playoff wins. That's when you are the MVP. That's when you take it on your shoulders when all the expectations is there. You don't get to play loose. You don't get to shake it off. This is win and you go through. Losing, you go home. You've got to be the MVP in those scenarios. And I'd like to see a couple of playoff games first before I'm ready to hand them that MVP trophy. Yeah, I think I fully agree with you there as well, Keon. Um I think I'm going to have to go towards Allen or Mahomes because they're just, they've been there, they've done it the last few years, and I think they're more likely to do it again this year rather than Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think we can all agree, though, we're going to be glad to see that uh, Aaron Rodgers is not going to three-peat this year. So, happy days. <laughs> well, look, we'll have serious questions if he does rock up on that stage with that MVP <laughs> trophy um, in January. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I, I believe he is the front runner for MVP because I feel he has been the most consistent this year. Um, Josh Allen has had a few games where he's struggled, whether that's down to his elbow injury or maybe just a bit of form. I don't know. And Patrick Mahomes has, you know, has obviously a very high level of consistency, but we've seen the last few weeks, his interception numbers are growing. Um, So that is something to keep an eye out or, out for whereas with the Eagles and Hurts the, the turnovers are being kept to a minimum they have the 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 least amount of turnovers this year I think their their turnover um their turnover the aggregate is actually in the plus as well and it's quite high too so um they've um they've taken the ball away from teams and more importantly when it comes to Jalen Hurts they've kept the ball um which has been very important and I think for me he has been the sort of clear sort of MVP um, unless obviously, like that, uh, Fiona, I do agree with you that he's only had played one playoff game last season against the Bucks, didn't perform well in that. So, let's see when he does get to the playoffs whether that is you know in the divisional round or the wild card round. It looks like now it's going to be the divisional because it looks like they're going to pretty much seal that by in the first week of the playoffs, so which will obviously help his case too. But for me, I think he is at the front runner for, for MVP. And, you know, unless there's a, a massive slide, I doubt that um, I doubt anyone might be would be able to catch up with him. Yeah, and look, they're perfectly suited. Like you said, some of those stats that whoever votes for this is going to be looking at, those turnovers, interceptions, that the offense is built kind of naturally. They're, they're a little bit that kind of play-action team. The ball is on the ground. They have 20 rushing touchdowns between him and Sanders on the ground. So that's going to make them dangerous. That lends itself to good, clean football that doesn't turn things over. So 
He's definitely in a great position to keep this thing rolling. He is obviously comfortable in the system now. So I wouldn't put it against him. I'm certainly not going to vote against him anymore. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I, I just want to see that evidence. Show me you're the guy when you really have to be the guy. It's great doing it in the in the regular season. That's going to get you to the playoffs. But we're playing football here. This is for the Super Bowl that we really care about. I don't care how undefeated you go in the regular season. You got to go undefeated all the way to the last game of the season. Yeah, and Rain, I want to put something to you there that's interesting. For when it comes to MVP, MVP voting this year is, this is going to be the first year where they're going to actually count second and third choice votes as well. So they are actually going to count towards the MVP winner. Um, so it could be the case that he does maybe get the majority of first picks but maybe it's the second and the third picks that could, you know, lift someone like a Mahomes or an Allen ahead of them. Yeah, absolutely possible. It looks like it's going to be a little bit of a Eurovision situation where the winner comes out right at the very end. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that works out. Um, it will be interesting to see these second and third choices because, you know, it has led to some weird decisions, maybe not so much in terms of the... Um, the overall winner of it, right? Usually they're there on merit, but the likes of um, say Russell Wilson, never getting a, uh, an MVP vote in his career, nor did Drew Brees, I think for a very long time. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of new way of doing things kind of affects the overall outcome of the, uh, of the vote. Yeah. I'd love to see them do just call that the MVQ, the most valuable quarterback. Cause let's be honest, no one else is ever going to win one in the history of the league. And let's make another one. Let's let's make a most valuable everybody else and see who wins that. I'd be really interested to see who separates themselves in the eyes of the voting committee when it comes to say these wide receivers. I think Justin Jefferson's great. He has a good enough quarterback that he makes look even more special with his talents. Uh, guys like that, I'd like to see get more recognition. I think it's I think it's worth it. I think they add value to their teams that just because they they aren't under center struggles to make an impact in the overall MVP category. There is an award for that. It's offensive player of the year. Yeah, but who's who's better, the offensive player of the year, the defensive player of the year? Let's do a Royal Rumble. Let's find out. Let's take the prissy quarterbacks out of it. You know how much I don't like them as a defensive guy. They go dancing around even when the wide receiver made an incredible over. Like Dawson Knox, an amazing touchdown on the weekend. Guess who gets the staff for the touchdown? Josh Allen. What did he do? Nothing. He threw to an open tight end who then did a backflip, nearly dislocated his neck, scored a touchdown. And he won't get a single MVP vote for that. Those kind of antics. Well, it helped my uh, fancy points for J- it did, Josh Allen. It did, and so it obviously, it obviously helps. You know, it, it helps you. That's <laughs> sealing, <for> sure. <laughs> sealing my playoff spot. I should also say in it too. So you know, um, I have to be very happy about that. Um, we'll move on. Um, any more points to add about uh, Jen Hurts the MVP race before we do? Okay, no problem at all. Um, let's let's actually head over and talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions. How about that? Because just like uh, the Eagles, the Detroit Lions beat a division rival at the weekend, 34-23 against the Vikings. The Lions have won five of the last six games and are now suddenly in the hunt for the playoffs. Fiona, I'll start with you on this. Could they make it? Uh, I think they could make it. Now, will they make it? I'm going to say no. I think 
They look good at the moment, but the guys they beat are the dodgy looking Packers, the pretty crappy Bears, the absolutely awful New York Giants. They got slapped by the Bills. They beat the pretty bad Jaguars. And then they beat the always shaky Vikings. So yes, it looks good. Yes, they look way better than they did at the start. Golf doesn't look quite so dodgy. Uh, but no, I'm not putting my money on them to get into the playoffs. Although I've just had a sneak look at the last four games they have. And it continues to be that. The Jets, decent team. Let's see what kind of quarterback they, they put out on the pitch. Uh, Mike White is in two halves at the moment. He needs to be sewn back together. Uh, but then they play those useless Panthers, the useless Bears again, and the dodgy Packers. So they've got a kind of three out of... If they go three and one going into the end, I don't know what the... I have to be honest, I don't know what the playoff scenarios are looking like, but they could definitely get three wins from here to the end of the season. If that's enough to get to them in the playoffs, fair play. But I think they get absolutely wellied on the first game of the playoffs, unless it's against the Vikings. Yeah, for me, they're benefiting a lot from a kind of, as you said, Fiona, dodgy schedule. And also the lack of strength in the NFC at the moment. The NFC is just brutal the fact that the panthers are not only in a position where they can be winning a division title they're also in the hunt for a, a wild card playoff spot if that doesn't work out so the fact that they're even in with a mathematical chance at the moment is just insane uh, there's no real standout playoff caliber teams outside of really that nfc east with their Cowboys and uh, Eagles. And even the Cowboys didn't look all that great at the weekend, although their their record suggests that they are a playoff-caliber team. Um, moving forward, I think they Sorry probably... Sorry What about the 49ers? Oh, the 49ers as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. They had a shaky start to the season, but they are looking quite strong now. The only thing there is Brock Purdy as the quarterback. Do you really trust them going forward? I'm not sure I do. Um, but yeah, basically what I was getting back to is uh, I really do think that they do have a very big opportunity to make the playoffs and that's going to be great for them. But as Fionn said, I don't see them making a push very far into the offseason. Adam, we've seen the sort of resurgence of Jared Goff, and especially in that uh, six game stretch that he's um played so well that reports came out on Sunday before the Vikings game is that they are going to roll with Jared Goff um, in 2023, no matter where they end up drafting in the next draft. So they won't be looking at one of those um, high, won't be using one of those high picks on a quarterback. How, how have you felt uh, Goff has played in the last few weeks? And would you, would you think it's the right decision to keep rolling with him into next season? There's obviously nobody in the draft coming out that they absolutely love and there's every right to stick with Jared Goff. You know, he has played reasonably well for most of this season. Um, just want to throw it out there that he was terrible when the Patriots played him out. So just the added to some of your results you've already mentioned. But yeah, I think he's definitely picked up the last few weeks and it certainly helps that they've got that two-headed monster running back beside him between Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. Um, he's got some weapons coming back with Jamison Williams making his debut and he had a pretty good start for his first catch. So I think of every right and it's probably not a bad decision to stick with him. You know, he's starting to go back to that first couple of seasons the way he was with the Rams. And if he can stick to that level, then let's see if he can do it. Yeah, and, and Fionn, um, one of the last things we'll ask about the, the Lions then on this is the sort of team that Dan Campbell is assembling together because this was a Lions team and, and Dan Campbell with as the head coach that sort of we wondered whether or not he'd be on the hot seat at certain points throughout the year 
um, because of the struggles that the team have. But now you look at that offensive core, like Adam mentioned with uh, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams at the running back position. You've got, you know, Jameson Williams, he mentioned too, but also, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown has had a fantastic season again this year. Um, you know, you have, I think it's uh, DJ Shark there as well, who's and uh, Joshua Reynolds, who are very good wide receivers too. On the defense, uh, Aiden Hutchinson has, you know, um, progress and change and become a, a very good uh, edge defender in the NFL. Their backfield is improving too, and you know their linebackers are feisty. You know he's he's building a a decent team here. Yeah, I think you're bang on. I think they actually have talent here, and they're gonna they're using it well. They figured out the problems with the play calling that they had at the start of the season. Who really was in charge of that offense? Who's calling the plays? Who's designing that offense? And like you said, they're, they're getting great production out of their key guys. Goff is not making mistakes, which he has to do. He has to keep that consistency going. Great running back production out of Jamal Williams. Uh, and some of the lesser guys, like you mentioned, uh, Reynolds, Chark, they're guys that if you get a really good NFL team, they have to pop up. You have to be able to rely on that third and fourth guy on the depth chart to go and make a catch when the other teams know that they have to double those top guys, whether that's a third and medium, end of game, two-minute drill, where they're really going to focus a lot of attention on your top guys. You need your middle mid-level guys to outperform their mid-level guys. And that's what they're getting at the moment. So I think it's good coaching. I think it always helps when you've got good talent. Let's, let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. But he's doing the right thing. They've sorted out all the issues that he could control who's calling the plays, what the game plan is. And now we'll, we'll see what they can do. Like I said, three wins rolling in. That's the best. That's the, the minimum they should aim for. If they can get those three wins, kind of everything else is out of their hands. They're just going to have to see how the rest of the schedules fall for them. Perfect. Well, uh, we'll move on to the next story. And let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers because they are looking quite purdy at the moment. I'm sorry. I had to say it. I'm very sorry. Um, they demolished the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by 35 points to 7 on Sunday in Brock Purdy's first official NFL start, and um, despite him coming in obviously early um, in the game, in the last game with the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. Um, and with all those offensive weapons and scary good defense, he looked comfortable trying for two touchdowns and rushing for one as well. And um, Adam, I'm going to start with you on this and I'll open it to everyone else afterwards, but... Has Kyle Shanahan secretly sort of brought taught up the perfect offense that doesn't actually need a decent quarterback? Um, crazy as it may sound, but it seems as though he has set up the ultimate plug-and-play system that any QB could uh, fit into. Uh, Rain, I even have hopes for you that you could actually get into that system and you could still lead him to a Super Bowl. But Adam, what have you thought about this 49ers team? Yeah, they just seem to know how to win at the minute. Um, Brock Purdy's came in and he's not really Mr. Irrelevant anymore. Um, you know, he's lost Debo Samuel. How long he could be out for, we don't know. That may affect him this week. So we'll see how things go. Brock's now carrying his own injury. Um, but they definitely have picked up the last few weeks. McCaffrey is just a threat at everything. You know, he's starting to pass the ball even. So I do think, as you say, there's another... You know, McCaffrey's come in and stepped in the possible. I know it's a jerk play, but if he needs to step in, I'm sure he could do a job. So it definitely has helped him. Look, I don't know how much credit I give Shanahan 
the system seems to be just build a big ass O line, and I'm pretty sure every coach knows how to do that. After that, as long as you make your offense about managing the game and have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, you're going to look good with whoever under center. Rain can attest to this. Baker Mayfield kept that starting job at the Panthers because Christian McCaffrey was standing about four inches to his left and did most of the heavy lifting. Now Purdy came in. He did fine. To me, this just proves that we should stop disrespecting Bill Belichick when we talk about Tom Brady. Because let's be honest, Bill Belichick eats rookie quarterbacks for breakfast. That was nothing got to do with Tom. And he couldn't get it done now when he was away from Bill Belichick. So... I think we need to sneaky give Bill Belichick a little bit of credit here and give the San Francisco offensive line a lot of credit here before we start calling uh, Shanahan the reason for all these wins. Well, I mean, I think we do need to give Shanahan a lot of credit for the wins that the 49ers are getting. His scheme seems to be excellent. I like the way he moves all his parts around. So you'll see... um, we saw at one point in the game, Kittle was lined up in the backfield and Christian McCaffrey was lined up out wide. And that really forces a defense to kind of broadcast what they're going to do and what sort of coverage scream they're going to have. And that is down to Shanahan and the way he designs plays. So I think we do need to give a bit of pr- credit there. I also think we need to give a bit of credit to Brock Purdy in this instance. Like he's a seventh round guy, the last pick in the draft. And he went out there and he looked pretty unflappable. Like he didn't make any mistakes. A lot of guys would be very nervous going into their first start of the season, lined up opposite like the one of the greatest of all times in Tom Brady. And I think that must be the first time Tom Brady's been beaten by a guy who was drafted lower than him in the uh, in the NFL draft. But yeah, look, I think uh, Kyle Shannon needs a lot of respect for what he's done out there. There's a reason coaches coming off his coaching three are getting jobs left, right, and center. Um, and I think they are going to still be dangerous in the playoffs, regardless of who they have at quarterback. Yeah. I Don't get me wrong. I think I saw a stat after the game that I think Brock Purdy was the first. Um, either it was the, he was the first player to beat Tom Brady in his first start. Or he's the first rookie to beat Tom Brady. Um, uh, first start, was it? I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. First QB to beat Tom Brady in his first start, which is um, a crazy stat in itself. But like I said, a a lot of it goes down to how dominant that defense was and, you know, uh, pretty much swallowed um, Tom Brady whole in that game and didn't give him a second. And, you know, the Bucs have struggled this year. um, But, like, they're offensive deficiencies were on full display on Sunday and like that uh, Reen, you're the perfect person to ask because that is your division what is going on who does anybody actually want to win the NFC South this year it doesn't look like it does it like everybody's playing bad football and actually it's an interesting point I think kind of the um, the Buccaneers they're on a downward trajectory the Falcons they're on a downward trajectory uh, the Saints are, well, the Saints are just not great. They've been pretty stable at being not great throughout the entirety of the season. So the only guys who are kind of looking a little bit up at the minute are the Carolina Panthers. Um, it's interesting to see Tom Brady, the way he played in that game, and a few games before that, to be honest, he has not looked good. Usually he's a very, very good quarterback at reading defenses and making sure he throws away from the danger man. But he has had multiple interceptions in the last few games. And it's 
yeah, it's just not very Tom Brady-esque. I wonder is his confidence a bit shot from the lack of time that he's getting behind that god-awful O-line? Yeah, it's interesting that the Panthers are your only team on the upward trajectory there. Interesting. I wonder In the NFC South. That. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. say, I know. Well, see, you can't really say the Falcons are on downwards. Right? They're changing QBs now to the QB that everyone wanted or expected to be under center. So maybe they're at a level ground similar to the Saints, and we'll see how Desmond Ritter gets on in his first few games before we say they're on a downward trajectory. Um, but we'll see. Before we move on very quickly, and it's interesting you're talking to Tom Brady there. Adam, you are our Patriots fan. Report came out on Sunday before the games that Tom Brady is taking all um, factors into account before deciding what he's going to do next year. He is a free agent. The report going around as well is that the Patriots may be looking to move off from Mac Jones and bring back Tom Brady. Is that something you'd be in favour of? I'd rather remove all from Matt Patricia and that will solve Mac Jones' problems. <laughs> um, I mean, it's hard to say no to Tom Brady relevant of being 46 years of age but I just don't think it'll be worthwhile you know you've got Billy Zappi in there as well who's been capable of stepping in when he's had to this year but if we can get a better true offensive coordinator next year I think Mac will go back to the way he was in his rookie year when he had McDaniels yeah I think you just okay. need a bit more offensive talent right like a, a proper stored wide receiver would definitely help you out I know uh What's the name of your running back, Stevenson, is it? I know you've got a pair of running backs there. They're doing pretty well. If you like, It seems like they're pretty close, and I think Bill Belichick's already proven that he works really well with a, with a quote-unquote game manager-style quarterback. So I don't know why you would rush particularly to move on from Mac Jones. Like you said, maybe it's more of a Matt Patricia issue of running the offense the way it needs to be run for the talent that you have on the pitch. I tell you what, yeah, though, I mean, that I offense. I tell you what, though, that off... Sorry. I tell you what, though, that offense that uh, the Patriots were running at the weekend was ideal for Tom Brady. They, I don't think they threw a pass over like 10 yards in the game. It was just the same old stuff out of Matt Patricia. And it would suit Tom Brady down to the ground. But yeah, as the boys said, I don't see why you would move on from Mac Jones at this point. Particularly not since he had a Pro Bowl season last season. And this year, it's not like he's not completing the passes. He's just not getting the opportunity to throw downfield. Yeah. One more side note there that we should mention too, because of I'm sure you've seen the videos going around of last night's game with uh, Devontae Parker. Um, who clearly had a concussion, but the referees nor did the independent, uh, what what is it called? Independent health official or Judy, I can't remember the name of uh, what they're called, decided to stop the game and were going to allow a play to go on with him clearly in some distress. It wasn't, it was only for his fellow wide receiver, Nelson Aguilar, pointing out the fact that he's clearly concussed. Um, for the changes that the NFL have said that they were going to make in the wake of the uh, Tua Tungavailoa incidents earlier on this year, this is not a great look for the NFL considering that it's happened again in the same season after they said they're going to make changes. Yeah, look, yeah. You, have to, you have to hope those kind of more obvious ones get picked up. Look, it's a, we've been in football games. It's not always easy to see those. It depends where that... Uh, 
independent observers situated there was like obviously a, a mass of bodies he kind of got pulled up off the ground pretty quick i saw the video so i can see that he he kind of had himself more steady by the time he went to line up but look these are this is the NFL. There's a whole load of technology. There's a whole load of cameras. We saw it, right? So there was a camera angle that showed him bumping into his own players after he got off the ground. So you would hope that that gets picked up. I think it needs to a better way. Obviously, needs to be figured out or a better position for whoever's the spotter needs to be picked up. Uh, but then again, look, the right thing happened. We got to put the onus as well on the players. They're closest to the action. They know their guys. Let's get the machoism, the machismo out of the game. If you've got a serious head injury, that's going to cause you permanent issues potentially if you keep getting them. So look, let's get the players. He did the right thing. He stopped the play. The correct action was eventually found. And at the end of the day, that's part of the protocol. So the protocol did work, but we'd love to be able to pick that up faster easier uh, and not have to rely on players to make that call because of course this is their livelihood so they have other things on their mind in that moment so fair play to Aguilar he did the right thing Parker got the treatment that he needed uh, we're happy there but hopefully the NFL can come up with a better way of spotting these things happening so Irene you yeah, want think, to say something there no I think Fionn said all there needs to be said I think maybe I don't know could they move to a system where they have a little sensor in the helmet where if it reaches a certain G's, then they're immediately put on like a, I don't know, like a something lights up in the booth and they go, right, we need to watch this player for a little while, something like that. I don't know. But yeah, the, the spotters were meant to be brought in to, to fix this issue that it gets caught immediately. And this is one that slipped through the cracks, but thankfully it didn't go on too long. Thankfully, as Fionn said, Nelson Aguilar did the right thing. And uh, kind of called out his teammate on on the head injury. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on then to next story we're going to cover and we're heading over to an AFC West matchup and that of course was the Denver Broncos um against the Kansas City Chiefs. The the Broncos finally uh end up scoring over 16 points in a game, but of course as this always happens, it, their defense falters that that week especially falters against well look there's no there's no you know there's nothing against the defense for struggling against Patrick Mahomes um you know every team does um but it just it just kind of hurts a little more when your offense is finally starting to click with you know Russell Wilson connecting with Jerry Judy three times is in the sorry Russell Wilson didn't connect with Jerry Judy three times he did twice the third one was with uh, Brett Rippon um so the the Broncos again slump to 3 and if my maths is correct 3 and 10 isn't it or is it 3 it and is. 9 still yeah 3 and 10 3 and 10 3 and 10 um but uh Rain I'll start with you first on this game um you know Jerry Judy scores three touchdowns in this, but should he actually have stayed on the pitch? Because we saw the video of his little tantrum, you could say, um, after a certain sequence of plays where he removed his helmet on the field of play. He seemed to go crazy um, and he ended up actually um, barging into an official as well. No flag was thrown for any of those violations and he wasn't ejected from the game. Do you think he should have been? I'd say he probably should. I mean, I don't know if he was intentionally barging into the official, but at the same time, we've seen people thrown out for less. Um, the fact that he took off his helmet 
not so much. Like so, we saw obviously in the Carolina Panthers game versus the Atlanta Falcons. Famously, DJ Moore took off his helmet in celebration outside the back of the end zone, and he got a flag thrown on him for that. This guy was fully in the field of play when this happened. No flag. So there should have at least been an unsportsmanlike call, fifteen-yard penalty. And then, yeah, in terms of the ejection, probably a 50-50 shot. But if it was me as the official, I would have been throwing him out. Yeah, it's just frustrating to see, isn't it? Like, it seems to be lads get thrown out when there's a pile and someone gets, like, bumped out of the pile and they kind of knock into the referee. That'll get a flag flying straight away. And for whatever reason, this, this ref had every reason to be intimidated. And there was definitely contact made. You can't do it. The guys know it. Uh, and there was no flag thrown. So I think for me, it comes down to consistency. Like, there, what is the rule here? Is it is it any contact and you're out? Look, that's frustrating, but at least we all know the rules. Or is it at the ref's discretion, in which case it's totally down to whether the ref likes you or not? And I don't think that's any place in the NFL. It has to be more rigid than that. So I would have liked to see him thrown out. I hate lads going on hissy fits like that. Get on with it. Play the game. The refs call the game the way they see it. There's absolutely no need for that. He then goes on to catch three touchdowns. I'm sure he was happy as Larry then. We see the same thing with, um, what was his name of, uh, oh, the Raiders wide receiver who pushed the cameraman, Monte uh, Adams. Adams. Like, who, who do these lads think they are? Like, everyone else is here doing their jobs just as much as they are. Their name gets in the headlines. They feel like they're the ones who can do whatever they want. I think everyone needs to chill out, let the refs do their game. They're not going to get everything right. We're trying to get rules and play some video reviews and everything else to make the game as impartial as possible. But get on with it. Play the game. If you're having a bad game, that's on you. Go scream at your coach. Let him bench you. I don't know why you have to bring the refs in. I don't know why you have to bring the cameraman in. They all just need to chill out. Adam, I think um, one of the things that that Fiona is mentioning there is the lack of consistency in calls. And that's one thing that we want to see. Like we give out all the time about certain points of emphasis before every season, you know, whether it's these crazy roughing the passing calls or, you know, um, pass interference, they're going to have a point of emphasis on pass interference, but we see that they enforce it on one week in one game. But then when it comes to the next week, the very same incident happens and nothing is done. And, it, and that's what I want to ask you is, is it the fact that the referees are not doing the job or is it the fact that they're not consistently enforcing the rules? I think it's actually something else that Fiona alluded to in terms of do they like the player or not. And I think there's something in that too that they're going, it's a sort of 50-50 call that should be given, but I don't like him, so I'm not going to give it. Um, and something I actually seen today, I think it was Garrett Wilson, is a call, um, he got hit out of bounds, it wasn't flagged. He called out a referee saying that he was, I can't remember what game it was, but the referee said to him, you're not in Ohio State now. Oh. Right. Okay. I think that's something down to referees just picking a player that is maybe allegiance to another college or another team and they went, no, I'm not going to call that. Yeah. And and that's an interesting point because it does bring up that thing like and and Fionn, you mentioned it too, and I'll go back to you there and, and Rena get your opinion on it as well. That you know, referees are meant to be unbiased, that's why they're referees, but you can never be one hundred percent unbiased because you will always have your loyalties. Because at the end of the day, the reason why they're football referees is because they're football fans. Yeah. 
yeah look i think it's it there's certainly a degree of that in there i don't think that'll ever leave i think there's almost certainly a degree of bias on our point of view as fans where we say how could you not call that uh, because it's a player that we like or a team that we support uh so yeah i think it's it's very muddled it's part of sport there's a lot of passion involved like i mentioned earlier i think sometimes the lads take it a little bit too far get a little bit uh molly coddled and feel like they're entitled to do some of this demonstrative stuff but yeah i think i think it's certainly on both ends i think some players go for it i think uh some referees like to play hardball there's a lot of yapping going on on the pitch i think sometimes the refs get caught up in that they throw their own little chirps in there when maybe they shouldn't some of it's definitely biased some of it might be just ill-advised kind of chirping back and forth guys going oh why didn't you give me that and him kind of saying well you're not in ohio state now like you can't i don't give a shit where you came from i didn't see that as a foul i'm not calling it a foul you can't you can't your demonstrations aren't going to make me change my mind so look it comes it comes from everywhere we see it in the afi as well we've all got coaches teammates that all go mad for for every call left right and center and they're villainized even though you go and ask the refs uh which player do you remember from this game they couldn't name you one number from the team do you know what i mean but lads feel they get very personal they feel like they're the top guy all the calls go against them because everyone knows who they are everyone's out to get them and shut them down so look emotions run high shall we say i i wouldn't i don't think it's a i don't think it's an epidemic i don't think there's a load of corrupt refs out there in the nfl i think they do by and large a pretty good job yeah, yeah no i'd agree happy, i'd agree happy, there yeah. with that yeah Rena's guys, by the way every every pass he throws that wasn't caught that's defensive pass interference there's no way he didn't put that ball right on the spot <laughs> I did love throwing a good defensive pass interference flag when I yeah, was an yeah, official. Yeah, yeah. That was my favorite thing. Speaking to do. of corrupt officials, there's <laughs> one right there. Yeah, yeah. Watch where that first finger was going, pointing to me. What are you doing? <laughs> I have, I have my, uh, I have my credentials to be an official. I haven't actually gotten the chance to well, be on the It's a long drive, uh, and a very nah, thankless nah. job. I tell you that much. You, uh, you're doing a good enough job. You, you keep going. You keep going the way you're going. Um, let's move on to their next story. And yeah, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins because they need to be brought back to a life. Um, because Tua Tungavailoa has struggled in his last couple of games, obviously, which led to their defeat on Sunday night football against the LA Chargers by 23 points to 17. Um, one of obviously the craziest plays was that uh, fumble picked up by Tyreek Hill and ran back for a touchdown, but um, only 145 yards with a touchdown in this game um, and only about 92 yards rushing in general for a team against the LA Chargers, who are missing a lot of defensive starters and have had a lot of trouble um, stopping the run this year. Um, and I'll start with you, uh, Fionn, on this one. Are we um, in the concerned mode now for the Dolphins and for Tua? You know, it's hard to say. I personally am. I think this was a tough game against a relatively equal opponent. I know they said they were missing some key guys on the defensive side of the ball, but they also had plenty of key guys left on the defense side of the ball. I think the NFL is very good at scheming uh, those those defenders. Obviously, when the likes of Tyreek Hill has a game under 100 yards, nowadays that's kind of weird for him. The running game, as you mentioned, also underproduced. That's always going to be a struggle for Tua. 
uh, and again, he didn't produce. So yeah, I think there's there's multiple levels. I don't know if I'd say it's all on two out. I think the offense has stuttered a little bit, but I do think they were playing. Oh look, this isn't a loss to the Texans in terms of the whole thing falling apart. I'm gonna hold off one more week. Let's see who are they playing next week. I'm just gonna check here. The Bills. The Bills. Okay, a in, good performance in a snow game. In a snow game, good, but they're seven and a half point underdogs already. I see. So uh, look. If they have a, a good game here, I don't know if they can win that game, but if they have a good game there, I don't think I don't think there's any hassle. They then play the Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets. Or sorry, not the Dolphins, the Packers, Patriots, and Jets to finish up the season. So I think they'll be tested. We'll know if they're any good. Uh, but I'm not ready to call them out just yet. I'm not ready to say they've fallen apart. Well, personally, I am ready to say that there is cause for concern with two Tagovailoa, uh, he has not looked very good these last two weeks that he's played. He started out the game against the Chargers two for eleven, uh, passing the football. And this is a guy who, before the last couple of weeks, has completed over seventy percent of his passes. He has the highest QBR in the league up until that point, and now he cannot seem to throw a guy open whatsoever. Um, they also have really like just kind of not used the run game very efficiently at all. Like, they have good running backs there, right? Raheem Mostert is an excellent running back. Jeff Wilson, we saw him with the 49ers, and now we're seeing him again with the uh, with the Dolphins. He is also an excellent running back to have in this situation. I would question whether Tua is fully healthy. I think he might be carrying a knock or something because his accuracy has just gone off a cliff in these last couple of weeks and I'd be worried about that moving into what is going to be a crucial stretch through December and January um, Adam before I get your answer on, on your thoughts on Tua I want to add um, a few other things into this because um, those last two games that Reen's mentioned and how poorly he's played he has missed his, less, his left tackle Teron Armstead in those, um, in those games and um, probably the best uh, offensive tackle he has in that team. And also, I want to add, add a secondary question onto it: Is our teams just now at this point figuring out the Mike McDonnell Mike McDaniel offense and how to stop it, which is obviously contributing to the poor play from Tua? I think you stop the short passes. You stop Tua because he still has a noodle arm at the end of the day. Simple, um, simple and effective. I mean, <laughs> a lot of his stats is overinflated with the act that's been added on with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle because they just take the ball and run because they're two absolute speed demons that nobody's going to catch up to. And I think the only reason they kept it a lot closer on Sunday is because Tyreek decided to pick up the ball from a fumble and run away from everyone. You know, otherwise that game could have been a lot worse for them. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I do find it funny, though, that everyone's ready to, like, bury Tua as soon as anything goes wrong. Like, no matter what. Like, last season, everyone buried him. This season, everyone was burying him out at the start. Then he played good, and they all went quiet. And now he's been buried again. I think, look, there's a lot more going on than just Tua. I agree, Adam. He does have a little bit of a new alarm. I don't buy. They're trying to do a lot of spin doctoring and a bit of, uh, like... <laughs> Fake fake news about no 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 look at this absolute bomb he threw in like week one and he did it once to Tyreek Hill. I do agree with you. A lot of it's yak yards. Uh, 
But look, who gives a, who gives a crap? That's working for their offense. They do have two speed demons. That's what they have. The quarterback has been super accurate, as Rain pointed out until recently. So uh, I do find it interesting that we're all ready to bury Tua again. Uh, and I, I'd be interested to see how he performs now the last couple of games and if any of that goodwill comes back again. Yeah, I think it's um, it has been a thing that they've been waiting to bury Tua because they got to do it all last year. Mm-hmm. Um they were proven wrong for most of this year and he didn't like it. So the now that he's struggling a bit, now they can sort of, you know, uh, point, stamp their feet and point their fingers at it saying, haha, I was right. I was right. He's terrible. He's terrible. So I think that's just what we're getting at the moment. I think, like say, like all players go through a dip at various points in the year. This is Tua's dip. We just, we just, uh, write it out and um, hopefully he gets it right by next week if not he will get it right eventually it's not as if he's not going to ever play another good game again and he works in that offense so yeah lads he, he and- probably didn't even know who he was playing on sunday he's had 47 concussions in the last 12 weeks <laughs> <laughs> yeah well look unfortunately that that is the case that he hasn't had a good time but when it comes to concussions this year and you know, that's a, that's a concerning thing and hopefully it's all about keeping him upright and that offensive line protecting him so that he doesn't um, run the risk of injury again. But we have enough time to talk about one more thing. And, you know, Rain, you can't say I am not a fair and gracious host for letting you talk about the Carolina Panthers. But here we go. The Panthers beat the Seahawks on Sunday by 30 points to 24. The scoreboard sounds a lot closer than the game actually was. The Panthers ran all over the Seahawks like I feared they would. Like I like we talked about actually in last week's show, Rian, um, that they ran this six, seven offensive line personnel using one of them as a fullback as well. And when you have stuff like that on a defense that already is struggling to stop the run, they have no hope at all. But look, listen, Rian, your your thoughts on the game. I think the Panthers very much executed a game plan to perfection. They knew that the Seahawks were going to be weak against the run, and they fully bought into that. We saw Chuba Hubbard go over 70 yards. Devontae Foreman was very strong on the ground as well. We saw them take a couple of risks where Steve Wilkes can be a little bit conservative at times, but they decided to run the ball on fourth and one down near the goal line. Don't know why they went four passes in a row after that, considering the guy was absolutely churning out yards. But regardless, they took some uh, chances and they really did look like the better team there. Fiona's been trashing the Panthers the whole day today. They look like a good and competent football team in that game versus the Seahawks because the Seahawks weren't actually that bad in the game. Sure, they did let a lot of points go in against them uh, versus the run. But at the same time, you know, the offense was clicking um, and they had the opportunity to make some plays on the outside. I think Darnold did a decent enough job. He did the job he was meant to do. So I'm happy with the way things are looking at the moment for the Panthers. Well, look, Rain, one point to that is, yes, you had a lot of team yards on the ground, but Dante Foreman touched that ball 21 times and he got 74 yards against a bad run defense. For me, that's just not good enough. Like, a better run defense is going to stuff that thing. But, Dara, the Seahawks lost because the Carolina Panthers wide receivers don't even need to use their hands to catch the ball. And I'd like to see this because I heard that Terrence Marshall 
does a hundred sphincter reps on the jug machine at every practice. And it showed he made the sphincter catch of his life. He had one reception on the day. It was a sphincter reception. The arse catch, as we would say over this, for 18 yards as well. So I think that's pretty impressive. At any time wide receivers are showboating like that, you just you know you're in for a tough day. So yeah, boys and girls that are learning the game of football, go out there on the drugs machine, catch with your sphincters at least 100 reps a day. <laughs> you there's any the NFL. If there's, <laughs> if there's any wide receiver deserving of like celebrating just a simple 10 yard catch, it was him just for that catch. Yeah. You could have you could have run the pitch yards. if you want. It was 18, 18, yards. 18 yards. Sorry, 18 yards. But um yeah. Uh Adam which is which um, is more than two Seattle Seahawks wide receivers managed in the in the day. What you mean? So uh both, one catch? Kobe Parkinson only got 10 yards and Travis Homer used both his hands and he only got eight <laughs> yards on two receptions. So tight end, tight end and a runner. Homer, back. go practice. Tight end is correct. Tight end. Terrence Marshall <laughs> tight definitely end has correct. tight end. He squeezed that thing. He's been a half tight end, he might have caught more. Yeah. Great thing as well is as soon as he touches around one cheek is two feet. So he had that thing wrapped. <laughs> High and tight, the as they say. The crazy thing was, thing. Like, it's high and tight. <laughs> like the ball never touched the ground, and he caught it, and it was great. But Pete Carroll still had the balls to go and say, "You know, what? I'm going to challenge this just yeah. for you know shits and giggles at this stage, because you know, fuck those timeouts. We don't need them." Yeah. He hasn't won a challenge all year. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah, well, he, he think does have t- dementia, in fairness, lads. He doesn't know what he's doing half the time. <laughs> ah, I've never well. heard a more rambly, dithery old man on a podcast before. And that was with the Seahawks fan pocket. Like, they were setting him up easy balls. And he's going off like there's fucking aliens in his head. I have no idea what that fella's doing. Or is that genius? Because I'm sure he only allowed them a certain well, it doesn't look time, like genius this year, If he keeps year, talking, Dad. if he keeps talking, you know. Um, Adam. Um, before I I get into the Seahawks side of things, your your thoughts on the game and with the Panthers and 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 the uh, and the Seahawks. I know it's sort of on the opposite side of the conference for you, so probably not paying a lot of attention to it. But you know, from the Seahawks that like started six that I think they were six and three at one point was their best record. Now being seven and six, you know, there is a, a viable chance that they're going to miss out on the playoffs. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's the opposite conference and I didn't pay a lot of attention. Um, like I've seen the scoreline and I've sort of taken it back. So the Panthers are actually winning games. It was a bit unusual. Just wanted to see Ray's yeah. reaction there, but he seems to agree with me on that one. Yeah, well, three out of their last four now at this stage, which is impressive. Yeah, so I haven't seen a lot of the game, but it definitely seemed to be a surprise result. I know the Seahawks are on a bit of a downslope at the minute. Um, Panthers definitely seem to be on the up, but it's still a bit of a shock result. Yeah, Rain's yeah. calling punking the Broncos a great win. Like he's counting that as a full win against the playoff. They're eliminated from the playoffs, Rain. You're supposed to beat them. You've beat two trash teams in the last week. We we only had three wins in the season prior to that, so I'm taking every win we can. <laughs> <laughs> you just want football to be fun, lads. That's all. Yeah. That's all. Exactly, and I tell Not you, I tell you how, 
I tell you who football is not fun for at the moment, and that's Seattle Seahawks running backs because they cannot run the ball at the moment. And I have no idea why. From starting off so well, it can't just be as simple as because Ken Walker and Rashad Penny is not there because the gaps were there. The offensive line has seemed to not be performing as well as they should be, or maybe, I don't know. But the fact that they can't run the ball is the reason why Gino is throwing a lot more, which means why Gino is probably throwing a lot more turnover where he plays, including, you know, the two interceptions could have been three on Sunday because he's having to take the game himself into his own hands because he can't he can't trust any of the running backs. Mm. But that also run Wilson defense... syndrome, they call that in Seattle. <laughs> Uh, well, even if Seattle could run the ball, Seattle, uh, Russ always tried to audible out of it anyway. Let, so. let Gino bake. <laughs> let Gino... No, it's let Baker bake. Let Gino cocktail mix. Because <laughs> <laughs> it ain't working on the ground, baby. You got to go to the air. No, it's really not. It's not working on the ground. Uh, on the has he tried, has he tried throwing it with his sphincter? Because it seemed to work for the Panthers. <laughs> What if you try running it with the sphincter? I don't know, that's hard. Have you ever tried to run with something in your sphincter? <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Are you trying to keep it in? That time the, the yeah, fire really that's exactly out. it, Adam. That's exactly <laughs> it. You're trying to keep it in until you get to a point where you want to get rid of yeah. it. Um, it yeah, being the well, Pirates look. GoPro at practice. Uh, no. That's it. it's being <laughs> leaving people in your dust. We wanted a rear view mirror of you brightening <laughs> for 50 yards. I can't even run 50 yards. Well, sorry, if you're gonna bring gonna up break these, something for 50 yards, if you're gonna start talking about these awful games, I'm just not gonna take it seriously anymore. I'm gonna be honest. This with was you. this was such a professional podcast for about <laughs> five weeks when film was away, and now oh Jesus, <laughs> watch us shoot back up the charts, lads. <laughs> what I was going to say is the Seahawks uh, run defense sucks and who did they play on Thursday night the 49ers who have the best running offense in the yeah. league so Christian McCaffrey going listen, for 200 all purpose 100% yeah it's 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 not a secret lads and who I think most of the people on this show are going to be going for on the Thursday <laughs> night football um, so we'll see but um, I think that's a perfect place to wrap up this edition of the show um, because I need to run off because I think there's something in the sphincter that we have to let go of. I think because that's how the show is going at the moment. It's going down the toilet. Um, but lads, it's been great having a, a full house this week. It's been great having to, I, a few people to bounce ideas off. Um, Adam, Fionn, Rain, thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And make sure you are following us on our social media platforms at UndercenterPod on Twitter at UndercenterPod on Instagram. Make sure you are spelling center C-E-N-T-R-E because you don't want to spell it wrong. And then follow the wrong account and wonder where are those cool lads from the Irish uh, Irish NFL podcast that I like listening to because you won't find us there because you're not spelling it right. So we can't help you. But you follow us. Uh, also subscribe to our YouTube channel. 